Welcome to Stories of Rune Terra. My name is Guy Black, or Ravenhood on the interwebs, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Rune Terra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe filled with the righteous and the fallen. Each week, we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra off of the Riot Games universe site. Think of this as my personal pet audiobook project of League Stories and Lore. This week's story and companion narrative to last week, Mirror, you might even say, hopefully it keeps you bound to your uh, podcast app, <laughs> sorry, is Morgana, The Fallen. Please don't get to nasty boots. This is a really good story. Stick with me. And now for my terrible impression. And now for my terrible impression. Only those you love can break your heart. Conflicted between her celestial and mortal natures, Morgana bound her wings to embrace humanity and inflicts her pain and bitterness upon the dishonest and the corrupt. She rejects laws and traditions she believes are unjust, and fights for truth from the shadows of Demacia, even as others seek to repress it, by casting shields and chains of dark fire. More than anything else, Morgana truly believes that even the banished and outcast may one day rise again. And now for the biography of Morgana. Whether through destiny or circumstance, Morgana and her sister were born into a world of conflict. The cataclysmic rune wars had ripped through most of Valoran and Sharima, and seemed poised to engulf even the peaks of Targon. Morgana's parents, Mihira and Gilam, knew the legends of the great mountain granting divine power. They saw no other choice other than to attempt the long and perilous journey if their tribe was to be saved. Even when they learned Mahira was with child, they could not turn back. Finally, where Runeterra touches the stars, Kilam watched in wonder and fear as Mahira was chosen to embody the aspect of justice. The couple returned not only with the salvation they sought, but twin daughters, Morgana and Kale. However, the celestial power that claimed Mahira began to overshadow her mortal personality and affections. She would often push the girls into their father's arms, abandoning them to answer battle's call. For many months, uncertainty gnawed at Gilam. The war still raged on countless fronts, and his beloved wife was slipping away. Fearing for his daughter's safety, he waited for Mahira to leave once more, then fled Targon with them both. Though their destination did not yet have a name, it would become known as a haven from magic and persecution, the Kingdom of Demacia. There, the twins grew different as day as night. While Kale studied the settlement's growing set of laws, dark-haired Morgana became troubled by their distrust of new arrivals. Knowing what it was to be a refugee, she wandered the wilds, talking to the wayward mages and others cast out for the dangers they might bring. At home, she felt her father's heartbreak at leaving Mahira behind, and grew bitter at her mother for causing such pain. Morgana's fears that she and Kale might carry some remnant of that aspect's power were eventually confirmed, 
when a great blade wreathed in shadow and starfire fell from the heavens. As it pierced the ground, splitting in two, feathered wings burst from the girl's shoulders. Their father wept at the sight of each of them taking up half of the weapon, and turned away even as Morgana reached out to comfort him. While Kale embraced their new calling, rallying an order of judicators to enforce the laws, Morgana resented her gifts, until the night their settlement was raided. Kilam found himself surrounded as the fighting spread. In that moment, Morgana rushed to shield him, burning his attackers to ash. Together, the sisters saved countless lives and were hailed as the winged protectors of Demacia. But Kale grew more extreme in her ideologies, and Morgana increasingly found herself pleading the case of those who wanted to atone for their crimes. An accord was struck between the sisters and their mortal devotees. Though it was uneasy and did not last, Kale's most ardent disciple, Ronas, came to arrest Morgana herself. Attempting to protect her Pentian followers, she shackled him with dark flame until he fell to the floor, dead. Divine fire lit the city from above as Kale swore to bring Rona's killer to justice, and Morgana met her sister in the skies. They raised their blades, each matching the other with arcs of blinding light and burning darkness that lashed down at the buildings between them. It seemed certain that one of them would win, but Morgana faltered when she heard her father's anguished voice. Kilam lay in the rubble, mortally wounded. Howling with grief, Morgana hurled her half of their mother's sword at Kale and plunged to the surface like a meteorite. She cradled her father, cursing their inheritance for the destruction around them. Kale landed, dumbstruck, and Morgana demanded to know if the smiting of the wicked mortals included Kilam whose crime was stealing them away from their mother. Kale gave no answer, but soared into the heavens without looking back. Morgana's wings became an inescapable reminder of her pain. She tried to cut them from her flesh, but could find no blade strong enough. Instead, she bound them with iron chains, resolving instead to walk the world of mortals. Over the centuries, her tale fell into myth. The name Morgana was all but forgotten. To this day, the people of Demacia venerate the winged protector, but recall only the glory and truth of one sister, while Morgana's dark outbursts and belief in personal redemption became the mysteries of the Veiled One. Through all of this, she still refuses to abandon those who would seek her aid. Bitter, betrayed, she bides her time in the kingdom's shadows, knowing with certainty that Kale's light will someday return to Runeterra, and all will face her judgment. As magic begins to rise again, Morgana sees that dawn is nearly upon them. And now, let's get to Morgana's story, right after this 30-second, count it, commercial break. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now for the story of Morgana. And this one is entitled Prayer to a Crumbling Shrine, and it's written by Rayla Hyde? Heidi? I don't know. I'll eventually find out. Rin stubbed his toe on a root and stumbled, catching himself before he lost his balance. A few paces in front of him, his great-aunt looked back. Need my old bones to slow down for you? <laughs> she chuckled. No, he murmured to his shoes. His great-aunt Pariah was snow-haired and stooped with age, though she was still a few inches taller than Rin. He wished he could be as tall as his horrible brother. He would have towered over both of them if he was there. Rin had never been in this part of the woods before. The pine trees grew closer together, so much that the light of the noonday sun had diminished to a glimmer amongst the shadows. Aunt Pariah stopped ahead. At first, he thought she stood in front of a mossy boulder, but as he caught up, he saw the remains of a stone figure eroded by time. Rin fiddled with the rocks in his pocket. Aha! You know who this is? asked Aunt Pariah. Uh, some old noble from the city? said Rin. Oh no, said Aunt Pariah. To many she was no more than a shadow and a myth, the figure known as the Veiled One. Aunt Pariah lifted her lantern up toward the figure. The statue's left arm was missing from the shoulder, but her right palm was open, as if inviting them forward. Upon her head was what must have once been a delicate stone shroud now coated in vines. Feathered stubs rose from her shoulders, broken and weathered. Rin could see that part of her face had crumbled garishly, and he shivered. The unbroken half of her face was not much better. Her remaining eye was marked with stains, and her expression was spiteful, as if she was about to spit out sour milk. <laughs> Don't like her, Aunt Pariah said, amused. You're not the only one. She's not the most beloved. But she knows all about revenge. Rin's eyes widened. He thought he'd been so careful. Yes, yes, I heard the rocks clacking around in your pocket, said Aunt Pariah. I know you're planning to get back at your brother. He didn't mean to hurt you, you know. He hit me in the eye with the blunt of his axe, Rin cried. What do you think he meant to do? Shouldn't he be the one that gets a lesson? He was showing you where to chop wood. You know he would never hurt you on purpose, said Aunt Pariah. He deserves his own black eye. And if you gave him one, what lesson do you think he would learn from that, hmm? Rin did not think Aunt Pariah would much like his response, so he stayed silent. Hmm, no answer? A story then, said Aunt Pariah. Now listen! Rin sat himself down in front of the statue, and with a sigh, he leaned his head against his hand. Long ago, in the deepest, 
darkest woods, where the trees grew together so tightly no sign of the sky or stars was visible. The Veiled One lived, far away from any settlement. Though few spoke with her, it was believed that she was older than dawn, sharper and wiser than any in the land. Those with disputes they could not solve themselves would come to her for final judgment, to seek wisdom, absolution, and occasionally punishment. But they did so with caution, for it was also known that her lessons could be severe. One day, a cleric and his pupil entered the woods to find the Veiled One, for the pupil had erred. The pupil had acted in anger against his elder, striking him with a censer. Smoldering incense had scarred the cleric's face with a grotesque burn. The pupil knew he had done wrong and wanted to repent. The two had journeyed a day and a night before they found the Veiled One. They entered a cavern illuminated by candles, water dripped from the ceilings, and strange potions lined the walls. It stank of grave soil and moss. Dozens of raven-black feathers littered the floor. A figure silently emerged from the shadows to meet them. The Veiled One. A black shroud hid most of her features from sight, but her eerily violet eyes shone through. Her feet were bare on the cold stone floor. As the pupil told his tale, she gazed at him with an unbroken stare. I see that your actions were no accident spoke the veiled one at last, her voice, though rarely heard, barbed like a thorn bush. You acted with purpose and certainty, and yet now you feel much pain at having hurt your master. I, I wish to atone for my sins so that I may rid myself of this guilt, he said. Guilt can teach many things to a heart humbled by intent. Why did you strike your master? she asked. It was an act of anger. I was wrong, said the pupil. Perhaps. What caused your anger? asked the veiled one. The pupil looked at his cleric and cast his eyes down. In my foolishness, I sought to end his lesson to another student, said the pupil. And what was that lesson? Before the pupil could answer, the cleric interrupted. My students require instruction in a myriad of ways, he said. I teach them manners, patience, and restraint. And if I must, I will use the lash. I do not enjoy it. These lessons are my sacred duty. The veiled one peered at the cleric. Behind the shroud, her eyes seemed to bore into him. But you do enjoy them, she said. I beg. Tell me, scarred master, are your lessons truly for the good of your students, or do you punish them to relish their suffering? said the veiled one. No, the pupil interrupted. He can't have. He cares about us. The cleric raised his hand and struck the boy. I don't need your lying breath to defend me, spat the cleric, his scarred face vivid with anger. The Veiled One opened her palm and chained the cleric to her with dark fire. The bindings glimmered with immaterial violet light, but the cleric could not break them as he struggled. You came to me for another's punishment, she hissed. But you ignore your own sins. Your sick pride swells as they come back to you, cleric. Since you refuse to look yourself, I will make you feel the pain you caused. 
Through the chains that bound them, the Veiled One forced him to endure all the shame, suffering, and loneliness he had inflicted on his pupils. For an instant, the cleric's heart stopped. As a great weight he had never known constricted his very soul, he fell to his knees, fixed in place by bitter torment, as shadowed flames licked his flesh. Stop, please, stop, the student cried. Please punish me in his place. He has suffered enough. You defend him even now, said the Veiled One. The wretch has much more to learn ere death's mercy lays him claim. He alone must feel the pain he caused so that he may never hurt another. You came here seeking understanding. The burden is now yours to bear. The pupil did not show his face at this cloister for many days. But when hunger and fatigue overcame him, he finally forgot his fear of his master's lash. Upon his return, he found the cleric a different man. Where his elder had been cruel and uncaring, he was patient and gentle. For though the burn on his face had not yet healed, the Veiled One's lesson had cut much deeper. Aunt Pariah set her lantern at the base of the statue. Half of her stone gray face was lost in the darkness, with flickering shadows running down her shroud like tears. Be careful, Rin, when wishing for punishment. Can you teach a lesson that will make your brother a better person? Even if it did hit you on purpose, there's no sense in you punishing him selfishly. Rin felt the rocks in his pocket. I guess my brother did say he was sorry after I fell down from getting hit in the eye. He said. He begrudgingly dropped the rocks on the forest floor. Wonderful. Let's give thanks to the Veiled One. Aunt Pariah opened her lantern and blew the candle out. Remember, revenge is an act of pride, but teaching is selfless, she said. In case you forget, I'll be watching you. <laughs> and the Veiled One might be too. Rin watched the smoke curl and unfold around the statue's empty stone eye, shrouding the figure in shadow. When he looked back, Aunt Pariah had set off through the trees, back toward the village, and Rin hurried to catch up. Wow. I've actually never read the lore behind Kale and Morgana, but these last two weeks, there is some, there's some stuff to unpack in these about virtue and truth and goodness, which I am absolutely a fan of talking about and seeing how we can improve ourselves through the reflection on these virtues. That just got deep. But I think I do want to just point out that one of the really deep things in here that is worth sitting on and thinking about is that revenge is an act of pride, but teaching is selfless. Anyway, so that's all. Um, we've finished the Ruined King miniseries, so I don't have anything coming out this upcoming Wednesday, but we'll be picking up a few champions next week. I'm going to still be releasing champions over the course of um, the holidays, uh, but because it's the holidays, I won't be doing the Wednesday thing, but maybe we'll pick something up new when the new year starts. I also have a bit of a career change, so I'm going to be playing catch up there as well. And I want to make sure that I don't overcommit to something for you guys and then, um, 
you know, end up having to like cut it off and, and not finish something that I started. So still doing champions and we'll see you next week with someone from the ruined King. I think we're going to do um, a few more from that because some of the champions are great. Anyway, thanks. I'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>